Hello folks and welcome back to another episode of the What Are You All About podcast. Today we had the White Collar Sideshow on and it was really cool to talk to them and hear their testimonies um, because they had some pretty radical changes and whenever you ask someone about kind of how did they start being a Christian you never know what you're going to get but that was really cool and they talked a lot about how God has showed up um, while they've done their band the White Collar Sideshow and just followed him and that it hasn't necessarily been like financially abundant but it's been a great life and yeah I think you guys will really enjoy this one let's get right into it hello guys <laughs> I'm Elijah and this is the what are you all about podcast where we talk about kind of what people are all about and what's the story behind that so that includes their faith their art and literally anything else that fits in that category so you guys are in a band called the white collar sideshow which doesn't really fit into any genre box but <laughs> <laughs> it is a very unique and special band it's kind of whatever you guys want to do with it within some parameters but would you guys like to introduce yourselves and then kind of answer what are you guys all about and what is the story behind that um my name is t and um I, I play drums and i sing in the white collar sideshow um and over the course of the last 15 years i've been the ringleader um I, whatever you call it like we've gone through such transition and evolution through the course of so of, of the years that it's been uh it's just been interesting but that's part of the journey right like it all started yeah. with dreams it all started with you know really direction from the lord and going is this something that we really want to do um are we putting all of our i don't know coins on the table so to say and are we going to yeah. go and just dive right in and this is my wife, Veronica, <laughs> and I'll let her kind of navigate some of this. Cool. So I'm Veronica. I play bass, but I also, um, I actually wasn't the bassist in the beginning of the band. So White Collars started from a series of dreams that T had uh, shortly after we got married. And he started just deciding he wanted to write these dreams down. And he would tell me about these dreams. And I was like, um, just, no this is weird <laughs> writing I don't know like it was stuff like well he, he it was always very drum intensive and then there was video in the back but then he would start talking about like like I'm a horror movie fan for sure yeah but he'd start talking about a pig drummer and or a chick in a go-go cage and I'm just like wait I'm sorry what and then he continued to explain it more and more and obviously it made more sense but he was already in a band at the time um, and the premise really of the whole first show talked a lot about his struggle with pornography addiction back in the day and us navigating that as a married couple and trying to work through that. And so on July 16th, 2006, literally 15 years ago, um, a missionary came and spoke at our church and said, if your life was a bumper sticker, what would it read? And for me, it was the American dreamer. And so I essentially had this, like, I call it my jump day this moment where the Lord is like, 
then give it up. I mean, obviously that's not worth living for and you're not finding satisfaction in that. I've given your husband these dreams. Let's turn this into reality. And so I, I called my jump day and that was the big day. I called T and said, um, I'm quitting my job. We're selling our cars. We're selling our house. We're selling everything. We're putting these dreams together and we're going to hit the road. And so our, <laughs> it's crazy. But our first, our first performance was just two drummers at first. It was him and the pig guy playing drums. Um, Phil, Phil his, was his yeah, name. Phil and Phil lived with us, and he was on the road with us. Gosh, we were part of his life for, I don't know. Yeah, we did two albums together. Like, yeah, and then he toured with us a um, long time. Yeah, for a long time. And so then T actually had said he had a dream about a chick bass player, and that's when I actually picked up the bass and decided to learn our part so I could play bass for our show. But our very first show, we we performed from 2008 until 2012. Or no, I guess 2011, 2008 to 11. Mm -hmm. um, it is just extremely drum intensive. There's no vocals. I played bass in this giant like cage, like it looks like a bird cage. And then we had the movie that played along behind us and we just kind of played all over and it's, and oh, we had horror movie clips kind of as yeah. the vocals. I was a big white zombie fan, obviously a Rob zombie fan. Yeah. And so we these horror movie clips on the first album as vocal parts and it was all right. instrumental so as strange as that is um it it seemed to work and then going into the second album um of course like and it's all tragic <laughs> my brother passed away i wrote a whole album about it you know the things that you struggle with um dealing with a tragedy uh, all the emotions that you would deal with plus i'd already written a film called The Witch Hunt, and it was all based on the seven deadly sins. And so we kind of broadened our perspective of, like, here we were this struggling with pornography, and it was like, well, here's a bunch of things that everyone struggles with in lots of different ways and lots of different directions. And we did it like a horror film. I mean, you know, I came from the Ozfest days, so I became a believer in the year 2000. And the only Christian band that I knew that I identified with back in that day was like living sacrifice. And so, um, so anyway, so coming from that into a Christian world, you know, everything that you see in your art that you've been influenced by static X, nine inch nails, Rob zombie, you know, white zombie, the Melvins, Reverend Horton heat, like all these different things. And you're throwing that into your musical influences and saying, Lord, here's who I am. And the Lord wants to use you for who you are. And so we're able to kind of go places that, yeah, I mean, a lot so, of believers aren't able to. So we really started out in the Christian world and we were playing mostly churches and Christian venues and Christian music festivals and things like that. And then when the when we put out The Witch Hunt, we actually contacted one of Rob Zombie's producers just out of the blue. And he was like, yeah, I love it. Let's do it okay <laughs> so we recorded our our second album yeah, we were at, really nervous at tommy lee's house the drummer for um motley crew right which was crazy hmm. and the, after that album we started to branch more into just general places um and then we started going overseas more as well and so through that we got to play like in germany and poland and new zealand and we played in chile, chile and brazil and he's actually got to play in Peru a couple of times, but that evolution turned into our third album, which is what we are, 
are performing live now. We released it right before COVID. We had one just awesome tour that fall and then COVID hit and everything shut down. But last year, like our schedule was awesome. We had festivals from like May to October all over just playing with so many cool bands. And then of course COVID shut everything Mm -hmm. down. We did have a song that hit Billboard. Like that was a really cool silver lining, like an unexpected, you never would guess it in your entire life, Yeah. whatever. So that, and yeah, that was definitely so, cool. Yeah, it was a really cool, like, silver lining through all of it. But this third album, so we went from, like, pornography addiction, and I actually, because of, not because of his pornography addiction, but kind of tied into it, I dealt with bulimia. So our first one was kind of pornography and bulimia, and then our second album was more about just seven deadly sins, seven different addictions. But then this third album really is just about identity and who are you and what defines you and um, who whose are you, I guess, and just encouraging people still to, you know, be honest with themselves and to rid their lives of things that don't, don't better suit them and don't make them a better person. Um, and it's about connecting with other people yeah. to each other realize like, like we're not alone. Like we're a bridge in this. Like that's what we, I feel like that's what, I feel like that's what we're called to be in this. I feel like that's what I've been challenged to be is how are you using your art to, to bridge, to create unity, to maybe ask questions here that you're struggling with and ask questions here and maybe challenge people to, um, to see things in a different perspective or a different perception than what they're used to and broaden horizons and, and create unity through that um, and help people find a, a stepping stone to the Lord, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, Elijah, that, was a, that was a loaded answer for you. That a lot of <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. I've got a question based off of that. So with how you started the band, it was a pretty massive oversimplification from the sound of things. So like, what do you think made you ready to kind of just start that and kind of like what sort of circumstances were around that before that happened that kind of caused that to be really ready to happen hold on you know that you're asking this is like 15 years ago (laughs) yeah 17 years ago 15 years years oh my gosh we have to remember back so far Uh, so i think for me the, the day before my jump day, I would not have believed that this would be my life. If you told me yeah. 15 years from now, you're going to be living in a caravan touring the world, I would never believe you. With no money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that day during that sermon about um, he, whenever my American dream vision popped up, I really did feel the Lord telling me like, listen, Oh, oh, this is the big reason why. In that sermon, he talked a lot about how there are so many creative type, missionary type people, that they're very creative, they've got a lot of great ideas, but they don't have the business side to make these ideas happen. They just, these creative ideas just fall through the cracks because they don't know what to do. They don't know what's next. How do I do this? What's next? Well, I went to college and I got a degree in marketing and I've worked in business just about my whole life. And so I realized, and the Lord made me realize that he gave T these really amazing creative ideas. And here I am as his wife, somebody who can really implement implement them and help him turn them into reality. And so that day, it was just so very clear to me. And 
he and I talked about it and then just started getting to work. Like we just believed that it was going to happen. Yeah. We would he just start to... like writing down these different goals of, you know, well, we, if in order to do a film or whatever, like sell a car. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We got to yeah. sell a car yeah. if we want to film this. Well, we got to sell another car if we want to record this. And then eventually we had to sell everything so we could just be on the road. Um, but after being in bands for so many years, we, we also learned that in order to, to do this full time, you have to sacrifice what it looks like to everyone else. Yeah. You how to live. I mean, because like right now, for instance, we probably have I don't know eight t-shirts, which is also our show shirts, four or five pairs of jeans, two pairs of boots, a few hats, a lot of music equipment. You know, so we live very minimalistic. Mm -hmm. So to go from a four bedroom house with three cars and a hot tub to moving into this like yeah. what do you get rid of like how do you well, how do you decide what you keep like what's well, your needs and what your wants to, yeah and you you can only keep what fits so now yeah. anytime like if i want to buy a new pair of boots i have to say okay well i've got to get rid of this pair so the new mm -hmm. pair has to be cooler or better than my than my old pair and so and there's a lot of stuff that we've hung on to sure. through many years because but that that's part of it too like being able to live that simply allows us to as you know, in the music business, we we don't make a lot of uh, of scratch, so to say. You make enough to survive, and, and the good Lord blesses us with that. And we have a lot of supporters out there that never gave up on us through COVID, and um and have still kept us going even to this point that we're super grateful for. And so, like, it just yeah, I mean, the well, I was just going to talk about kind of the process of how we really officially made it happen. Yeah, okay. um, he had yeah. he had already written the songs and Phil had been coming over to our house and they'd just been kind of just drumming and they didn't really know if they were writing songs and they just evolved into songs, kind of is how it happened. Um, and so they ha he had a pretty good idea of songs. And it was only what, five, four songs. Yeah, it's like four. And then we had a bunch of other drummers doing other things, but I think it eventually turned into me and Phil and four and songs. four songs. Yeah. And so we, he played with his other band. He was with Risen Drums, which is a, a drum manufacturer out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And they're called Franklin Drums now, but he was already playing with Risen and he was talking to those guys about, you know, this new project we were working on. And, and one of the guys involved was like, hey, I have a recording studio up here. If you guys want to come up and you can record your album up here, um, you know, I can, y'all can stay here. It'll be a lot cheaper. And so that's what they did. They drove up to St. Paul, Minnesota. And in January of 2007, it was freezing cold. It was like negative 34. I don't know. What I it never saw what it was. <laughs> I don't, in, 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 in American is negative <laughs> minus 34. <laughs> so, <laughs> cold. Um, which I probably is probably very close to Celsius and minus 34. Anyway. Yeah. So they recorded up there and then had, come back home and um we started working on perform like putting together the live show and what do we need and we knew oh and filming we were mm -hmm. filming a ton yeah. because we have video that goes along with um our show so the filming you know really that takes a lot of time you know putting together music takes a lot of time but then filming just adds so much oh more gosh, time yeah. to it we never knew and like money <laughs> and, but it makes the live show really cool because it's all synced together and so but then we had it, the film done and the music done and we started talking about booking our shows and we're like, it's so weird and so different. Let's record a live video video so then we can send that out and have that yeah. to try to book. 
So we recorded our live thing. Back in the video days. Yeah, with the DVDs. DVDs. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and then we, I mean, just started selling everything, selling everything. And by 2008, we were living, we had sold our house and sold everything we owned. I mean, it was, everybody said that we were crazy for doing it and everybody told us not to do it, but we, we were just so convicted that this is what we were supposed Mm -hmm. to do. And in Mm -hmm. my mind, I was like, we can always just go back. You know, I've been there. I know how to get there. I can go back. I can't, I can't come over to this side 15 years from now, (laughs) you know? And I mean, it's, it is crazy. And it's a challenge to navigate, especially through the last couple of years, especially through COVID. We are a chair, like a charity. We're a nonprofit organization and we have been for five years now. Yeah. Yeah. And so people donate to us to help us keep going because we've never charged for a show. We only live off of just a donation or a, the yeah. door or whatever the venue wants to play us. Or people who like let us use their electricity at their house and we stay with them. Like we have a lot of people yeah, around the country the like that. Or around the world like that. that. For yeah. sure. And so all through the years, people are like, you can't do that. You you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And we've just continued on and just done it. Yeah, the Lord has really, man, like, so this is the thing. Elijah, like giving the Lord your heart, mind, soul, strength, your finances, all those things. Like that's when he gives you an abundant life, right? But I used to think that when you give the Lord all of all of those things, that he gives you this abundant life financially. Like you'll be financially secure and blah, blah, blah. I never dreamed of the journey that we've been on for the last 15 years. And, and ultimately what I've come to realize is Abundant life, in my opinion, the definition of abundant life is the roller coaster ride of going straight up, straight down the super lows, the super highs, the twists, the turns. I mean, what is it? It's a super thrill of life. Yeah. And that's what the Lord is, has given us, especially the last 15 years. Man, I can't tell you the crazy super mountaintop highs. And the bottom of the ocean fall apart fails like and all of in between and trying to be an artist through all of this and trying to share your heart with people who can just rip it apart in one little comment you know all years of things and and it's like wow okay but the people who identify with you and connect with you and get what you're trying to say that's that's the reality of the language of the bridge, in my opinion, too, of all of these years of everything you've been through and everything you learned, all these stepping stones comes through, through your music, through your evolution as an artist, as a human being, as who the Lord wants you to be to the spot where we are right now. And we don't even know what that is other than let's just keep pushing forward until the Lord shows us another direction. He ended up writing a handful of songs through COVID, which is pretty cool because usually our writing process um, is a little later on after we re- released the album. But yeah. since we <clears throat> weren't able to tour, he was like, well, I'm just going to start writing. And we have a studio here in, in our town called Studio 221. They uh, have invited us in and have been amazing. And it, it, he's had a co-writer this whole time. So the first, the very first show was just him and Phil in a room drumming, right? Yeah. Well, the second show, he oh yeah, did everything on a garage did everything band. in Garage Band, and so he wrote all the tracks and everything. Back in 2010. Yeah, there's several like 
like garage band loops if you open garage band find it you'll hear yeah. a lot of our second album and then the third one was, third logic. One was in logic and then pro tools so. yeah but logic to pro tool yeah so he did that one in um brazil i wrote most of those songs in brazil yeah and he created uh, our our producer rob's on these engineer buddy yeah. his name's chris batesford he yeah, a super good helped team. t co-write several songs on that third one but this this fourth one is fun because he's it's just the two guys co-writing here and we'll go back to chris to record again um when the time whenever that yeah, happens yeah. i don't know but. he said he's working with nickelback until 2021 <laughs> in canada right now so yeah, he just did um, <laughs> he just did chris daughtry's album right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so you guys have kind of started to get into this a little bit but how did you guys christian journeys start and kind of what is the process of that been to get where you are now with that if that makes sense yeah. with chris no, as Christian. Oh, as Christian. Oh, <laughs> you want me to go? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or you go? No, you go first. Well, I became a Christian after you. Okay, so yes, I'm trying to think of this nutshell story. Um, I, gosh, I kind of grew up in church, uh, in the Methodist church. My parents, you know, we went to church, but and and I was even involved. All these things. Well, I'm adding color to the video. Yeah. See. <laughs> oh <laughs> oh man hey what's up elijah hello <laughs> hello mate hello um, <laughs> <laughs> oh anyway man i grew up like a skateboard kid with a, a bunch mm -hmm. of my buddies um in arkansas and we're still friends to this day like mm -hmm. like like 20 of us 25 of us 30 of us are still friends after all these years from the 80s and um anyway i grew up and a uh, skateboard kid started smoking started doing just drugs at an early age ended up in a mental institution by the time i was in high school and then moved to a small town played in a couple rock bands one was called bloodshot eye one was called uttermost and um learned a lot from a lot of those bands as far as music goes but through the process of becoming a believer uh, i worked in a factory and everyone at the factory knew me as the drug guy. And I'd had seven lung operations from 1996 to the year 2000. And man, I, I can't say it like suicide. I struggled with suicide so much. I struggled with who I was. Um, I couldn't even have human contact without being on something because of my lung operations and everything that I'd been through. Um, Painkillers, uh, I struggled so bad. And to this day, have to be cautious of things like that because of my past. Yeah. And um, and it's hard and it's challenging. I'd had my seventh lung operation, and the doctor said I'd been on painkillers for a year after, and the doctor said I can't give you any more. And I said, Well, <laughs> well, I need pain medicine. And he said, You're gonna have to learn how to survive without it. And there was a Christian dude at the factory that I worked at, and I went up to him. And I said, and, and I said, Hey man, I know that, that God loves you, but he hates me. And maybe you could pray for me that you, he would give me a million dollars and I wouldn't have to work in this factory anymore. I could live a different life and, 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 you know, not go through the problems that I'm having. And, um, and he said, man, have you ever tried Jesus? I was like, dude, are you an idiot? Like you can't see Jesus or God or any of that stuff. And no, man. And I probably gave him a middle finger and, you know, walked off. And 
you didn't speed away yeah. on your forklift oh yeah well I, I, yeah i probably sped away on my forklift that's right because i was a, a drug addicted forklift driver at my job <laughs> and um anyway i went home that night and i actually like stood on my apartment building like i had this moment of i don't want to live anymore i was you know 24 or 25 years old and i was like why do i why am i on this planet i don't understand why i'm here i have nothing to offer i'm just this factory worker drug druggy you know i had a baby i was a single dad um my son helped me start my life change it was hard it was hard to try to get out of the situation that was that i was in and you feel like you're the only one struggling and so i went back to the dude the next day i didn't jump off my building anything like that i didn't have the courage and i went back to this guy and i was like dude look i've been through seven lung operations i've been through doctors I've been through psychologists, psychiatrists. I've been through the state mental hospital, depression, suicide, hate. Like if, if your God doesn't change my life, then what will I be? What will I do then? What will I become? And he was like, dude, you're thinking about this in the wrong way. Let me tell you this. God wants to take everything that you just said and he wants to use all of those things because all those things make up who you are. And he just wants to use you for who you are. Your ADHD, your insanity, your craziness, your love for music, the way that you tick, the things, whatever it is that, that the Lord has put into you, he wants to use all those unique things and who you are. And he wants to use that. And that's what that is. And that's to me. So he prayed with me while I'm on my forklift, this, and my life changed instantly. Like I, it's like Discovery Channel, like ghost hunters. Like I can't explain it. it it's something I can never explain. Yeah. And it was 2000, the year 2001. No, 2000. Or the year 2000. And I started going to this church that a pastor friend of mine, he was my only friend at the time that I thought, because I, I left my life of drugs and I didn't have anybody. So I'm just like hanging out with my preacher buddy who was probably like, dude, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and it was the most challenging moments of my life trying to figure out because people were like, cover up your tattoos, take out your mm -hmm. piercings and get rid of your music and listen to this and listen to this. <laughs> and I would be like, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't me. But I was trying to I was trying to learn and I was trying to soak it in and it's been challenging mm -hmm. ever since because there's no handbook. There's yeah, the Bible right. and there's focus and clarity on him. And then there's other people telling you how they're viewing the Lord and their perspective and your perspective. So it's trying to navigate all these different things. And, and as I'm getting older, I'm realizing the less I know and um, the more I need to probably be paying attention and I'm terrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh i haven't heard that story in a minute so um he got saved in september of 2000 and we met on october 1st yeah um i actually i i had gone to that church through like my middle school years and we met at church he had given his testimony like during the the service and so we met that night just talking outside. Um, but I had a boyfriend at the time, so I wasn't like, it was just cool to talk to him, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, 
But then I break up with the boyfriend and he starts inviting me to his little small group at his house. It was him and his pastor buddy and a couple other guys. And they would just, you know, do little Bible studies and stuff. And I would not go for weeks because it was karaoke night at one of my favorite places. And I wanted to sing karaoke. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but then finally one day I just decided to go and his pastor buddy, and he's talking about, his name is Ben Anderson. Um, I was just able to start asking him like really real questions and really heavy questions and things that I had, you know, struggled with and wondered with and wondered about or whatever. And, and he was just great and honest and, um, safe. He, it was just a really Mm -hmm. cool situation yeah the environment was really yeah and so i mean we were all just fresh and new yeah and he was just he was younger at the time i think he was probably in his what 30s maybe 40s yeah maybe 40s younger 40s anyway so he was like all pumped up on life and he helped me to realize that even though i had kind of grown up in church that a relationship with jesus is so much more intimate and more of like a friendship person relationship than i had ever experienced um and i i i think really hanging out with him because he had had such a radical life change and he was a positive influence like he tells he says now whenever we were hanging out because i was partying still pretty hard and pretty big when we first met and he was like i thought you were going to bring me back into that lifestyle but he ended up helping me get out of that lifestyle well, I think we just kind of leaned on each other. I feel like really like looking back to like the Lord, just beyond music. Like when, when we first met too, like you didn't even know I played drums no. and I didn't know that she sang. No. Yeah. We, but we knew all of each other's dirty little past because we had almost had like a yeah. one up each other conversation. And he's <laughs> like, well, I did this. Well, I did this. Well, I did this. And it was like, okay, well now we know all the dirty stuff. It's just crazy. So, like I said, we had met um, October 1st. We ended up getting married that January. Yeah, three months. So, super fast. Everybody Mm -hmm. thought we were pregnant. Turns out we're just a little (laughs) crazy. Um, Not pregnant. And, yeah, it's, and we just celebrated 20 years. So, and my son, my son is 23, soon to be 24. His son was two when we met and it just turned three. He was two, turned three in December and we got married in January. And so, yeah, so Tristan has been part of this journey as well. If you see any of the older pictures, you will see a picture of uh, Phil was wearing a pig mask and Veronica was playing bass in the cage or wearing the other mask. And then my son, Tristan, was wearing the gas mask and he toured with us for many years from when he maybe you've been 12 yeah. 11 12 to 16 17 ish and then a few one-offs here and there but um but people that may or may not have kept up with us if they see older pictures that's my son when he was young right. and he just graduated uh, college so <laughs> <laughs> props to him yeah yeah wow Aye. so is there any like really big moments in your Christian life where you kind of look back and that's or something really clicked or is there just like absolute loads of those so it's hard to pick a few? I mean, yeah. I, I definitely have like huge bookmark moments in yeah. my life where I know that the Lord, it was all the Lord, particularly like selling our house yeah. when we did. It was during the huge 2008 um 
economy crisis. We were going through the recession. The housing market had was crashing. And, we, and it sold without a for sale sign. Yeah, I didn't. We didn't even buy a for sale sign. We bumped into a guy. He's like, "Hey, I'm looking to buy a house." And he came over. And then the next day, he actually bought the house for more than asking because he wanted to pay his realtor because he'd been looking for so long. But like, then also, that's like, a crazy one. We're on the road in our toter home. The engine blew up. Our, our, like our, our big caravan, like our big caravan, RV, whatever. Which in it was in California, and it cost twenty three thousand dollars. I don't know how many euros or anything that would be. Golly, a lot. Thirty thousand euros. Yeah. <laughs> and it cost that, and we don't obviously we don't have that kind of money. Yeah. And we thought it was the end. We had just recorded our second album, and we didn't. We just thought, wow, okay, we're done. It's over. Mm -hmm. And in twelve days people from all over the world gave that much money, gave $20,000. And then our engine, the Caterpillar engine place gave us a discount for the engine because it was this whole big miracle that everyone was watching. And it was like, wow, this is crazy. I mean, and then there's moments like that. And there's moments that, you know, where you fail, like you completely yeah. fall apart as a human being. And I'm super guilty of that. I'm super guilty of um, being a liar, a cheat, a thief. I mean, I, I'm, I have completely fallen on my face as a believer through this journey and hurt people, um, had to apologize and ask forgiveness for, for a lot of people. And um, man, just the journey of this is challenging yeah. of, of playing music. I mean, we're on the road. We were on the road for 11 years, almost straight. And you're you're on the road, so you know you you're living like a vampire. You never sleep. <laughs> you're setting up and performing and driving, and and you forget how to live like a human being. And when you come home, and you're here, you you don't you just don't know. So it's hard to um, to keep your focus on the Lord, and, yeah. and that there's a challenge in that. So I have a, a few pastor friends. Um, my pastor in Nashville at the Anchor Church. Um, is someone that really like feeds into me uh, spiritually, I think trying to have routine and discipline and, and different structures and things like that, that I have to work on. But again, man, it's, it's learning from mistakes and it's trying to keep going forward and trying to keep moving forward and, and writing those things into songs. Yeah. <laughs> even, I mean, there, we have so many little stories, but I was going to say even, when we were going into creating our third album, we were talking to Phil and we were like, hey, are you in, are you out? You know, he started hanging out with us when he was like 17. By this time he was like 32 or something. And he's an old you know, kid. He had spent his entire twenties <laughs> with us, never done anything else. And we're like, do you want to go on with this next album with us? Or do you want to exit? Like, you know, we've given him this opportunity every time we do a thing. And this time he was like, you know what? I think I'm gonna go. We're like, okay, cool. And so then we're like, oh, it's down to the two of us. Are we going to do this? And then also financially, we didn't have any any savings or anything. And so we did not have the money at all. And we ended up doing a fundraiser just through our state. And we made like $12,000 in 12 hours. And so we're like, well, okay, I guess we're still doing this. Had the music in the film. So, <laughs> we yeah. didn't, like, yeah. had that money not come yeah. along, we, I don't know 
I don't know what we would have yeah. done. We, we were really considering like, okay, is this chapter closed? And like constantly we're like, is this yeah. over? You know, yeah. even before COVID and now after COVID, we're just constantly asking like, is it over? Is it not? But honestly, the Lord was so clear leading us into this. I feel like he will be equally clear for yeah. the next step. Yeah. And so until I feel like this chapter is really closed, I'm, we're just trucking right along. And that's the thing too. It's Elijah, that's what's super interesting yeah. about our life too, is that we we don't just see it as i mean it's the two of us obviously veronica is is our manager and 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 does everything to her manage booking merch she just does everything she's the chef she's the greatest and um and she if it wasn't for her and her gifts to be able to take mine um creative i was going to say insane yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but just i don't know i don't know where i'm going with this beyond that um th this without the supporters the feast of friends is what we yeah, call it that's, yeah. that's where i'm trying to go with this it's not just the two of us it's the whole like there's yeah. a whole group of people out there that i wish there was a way to somehow have a big barbecue somewhere and invite always... people from all over the world that have ever given to us and not and i'm not just talking about money that have ever given us food or advice or electricity or shower or, or a, show. a show anybody that's out there that is a part of our life that i'd love to mm -hmm. see how everyone could be connected i'd love to see just the spider web so this isn't very yeah. morbid but i've always thought that that day will happen at his funeral and I'm going to get mm -hmm. to see it and he won't. But then you'll get to see everybody in heaven. Well, but I do. It, it is morbid, but I'm like, I'm going to finally get all these people together. Yeah. He won't be here. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, Elijah, it's it's like we, we are, I'm a creative person. Veronica is a creative person, but she's very gifted at, at just keeping us going yeah. and, and whatever that looks like, because there's no music handbook in it. I mean, Curtain oh, wow. uh, Records has been tremendous for us. They've really, they've really scratched and clawed for us the way that we scratch and claw and just keep trying to survive just like everybody else out there. And part of it is taking everything that we've learned and grown from it the last couple of years and keep trying to be in a creative process, you know? So I have a question for you. Okay. How did you hear about us? How did, okay. Right. Okay, I think it probably came up on Apple Music for you or something like that in Christian Rock. So I thought I'd check it out. And then I think after that, I kind of realized that you guys, even though you aren't like a metal band, the community that you kind of fit into is more the metal community yeah. than Seems anything else, which is something that I'm kind of big on. So I think because of that, I was kind of like, these guys are great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn. So I think we've never been to yeah. Scotland. We've been to um, England. And so we spent time in London as well as up in Nottingham area. Yeah. But we'd like to go back. And if we do, I mean, we were so oh, close. We might as well come say hi. Yeah. Are you kidding me? We're just going to have to do a show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I. I'm curious what the response would be in Scotland, just because the metal scene here is, there's not like loads of Christian bands. The one Christian metal band I can think of broke up recently, 
So I'm just picturing you showing up to... Well, you know what's interesting um, <laughs> is that a, a lot of people don't even... Because we never really... We are believers. Yeah. But when it comes to the term Christian, the, the thing oh, that I struggle with is the box. The people oh, who, who will never go yeah. into the box or the people who never come out of the box. But the problem, too, is like even in the Christian world, we're on the fringes of the yeah. Christian because even the Christians sometimes are like, we're too far out for them. So it's, so we just say, you know, our music is art. Like, like this is, it's just art. We don't yeah. even put it in the box. Yeah. And, and so people struggle with that. Yeah. We're in the metal community. Yeah. We don't know what to do with ourselves. People <laughs> don't do with ourselves. That's where we go. Yeah. Um, it seems like that's a given. And the horror movie community, you know, we're in all these places. Oh, I, but at the same time, I feel like we're just art. And yeah. if people come up to us and find out who we are, they know what we're about. So going into places, Christian or not yeah. Christian, we never view it that way. We just view it as, hey, we're doing a performance and we're hanging out with people tonight. Yeah. That's all. We're and so we don't ever see it as um, as a Christian thing or a non-Christian thing. Yeah. We just view it as, hey, man. We're all doing this with each other. Like, oh, I, yeah. Let's go jam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Scotland is a very special country because while they're speaking English, it takes you forever to figure out what exactly are they saying. <laughs> what about our accents? Um, uh, American accent is more phonetically normal, if that makes sense. Like, um, you probably think I've got. A Scottish accent which I kind of do at this point um because I'm from Canada and I lived out till I was basically 10 but my accent is pretty much down the drain from that at this point but if you hear like a really proper Scottish accent um the best way to describe it is it's the laziest way to say things possibly <laughs> like if you're talking you about the example. like the central belt um you talk to anyone there, you'll have a bit of a hard time at first. I don't think I can do justice to an example for I might try. Okay. <laughs> but I'm trying to think what's a very uniquely Scottish. Yeah, you definitely have more Scottish than Canadian. Like yeah. I didn't hear any Canadian, but it is like I was surprised that it wasn't as thick because yeah. like sometimes these Scottish, like yeah. these people um on like Instagram or whatever, they'll go on a huge rant, but they'll be Scottish. And you really have to have the subtitles because you're right, it is hard yeah. to understand. But I watch it over and over and over because it's amazing. It's yeah. so, I love it. I do love you remember Dougal was from Scotland, right? From uh, all the cornerstone. Let me look. Because he, he had a bunch of his, his mates come over with him and we had stickers that said, kill the pig. And they and t-shirts and they bought all the stickers and all the t-shirts that said kill the pig on it and took it back to Scotland. <laughs> yeah, there's not really one set Scottish accent, but the central belt of it is kind of similar, which is where most of the people are. But you go to like Lewis or somewhere like that, the accent is just completely different. It's not a stereotypical Scottish accent in the slightest. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I could try and replicate that one because it's not as technical. <laughs> so he, Hello, he's I'm from, from Livingston. <laughs> <laughs> it's just 
that it's just a really special accent when you go to that area. Anyway, what were you saying? He's from, oh, it's not going to show up. Yeah, I'm Livingston, not going to see that. West Lothian. Oh, uh, yeah. West Lothian. Yes, that's where he's from. Okay. Like, so I know that's a place, and if I, I was at a train station, I would see that somewhere, but I've got <laughs> absolutely no clue where that is on the map. So how did you end up in Scotland? Okay. Um, basically, what happened was with my parents, they felt a very clear call that we were to pack up and move to Scotland, and basically with my dad there's just he was going to a college that was kind of like for him what he saw as kind of like the pinnacle of what he could do with learning and there God kind of met him and said you know what I forget exactly because this is like six years ago but basically through being at college my dad felt a very clear call that we were to pack up and head off to Scotland and my mom had been feeling like that for a year too um without saying anything about that so they basically just kind of realized um that we're supposed to do that and I think probably within about three months of that happening we flew over to Scotland and it was crazy and like like all the things you shared there's just so many times in that where you kind of see where God's moved like a more recent one is with my dad's visa because my mom's Scottish everyone has a British citizenship except for him so he's had to go on visas and he was work he was a student for I think three years maybe four I forget exactly but at the beginning and he was on a student visa and he was doing like part-time work as a pastor because that's what he did in Canada and like he applied for another student visa and that got rejected and it got to the point where he ended up applying for a spousal visa which under that he could work full-time and if it was he had not gotten that then we wouldn't have been able to move from the part of Scotland that we were originally at um, to the part where we're now at, which is kind of where God's called us to be and where my dad's working full-time as a pastor. And that also helped my sister because it meant that she could work at college here, not work, study at a college here, mm -hmm. which before she was having to do A-levels, which absolutely suck. Um, <laughs> so there was a lot of different stories yeah. about how God really came through so, so are you in school um yes I've been homeschooled my whole life so that's a slightly weird question and now it's even weirder because I'm about to head off to college which isn't the same thing as it is over there kind of the best way to describe it is high school for all ages kind of so oh. it's school it's just a very different type of school and like they've got the normal subjects but there's a lot of things like what I'm going there to do is broadcast media which is not a normal subject yeah but 
Yes. And then do you want to yes. stay in Scotland, go back to Canada, come to the US, go to Australia? I think I have no clue what's going to happen in the future. And that's something that I've kind of learned from like the past six years is that you cannot predict yes, what exactly is going to happen. But I do even know, us right now, we have no idea. Yeah, like, that I'm going to finish that course and kind of do what I can. But as with going back to Canada, um, I don't think I would go back just for the sake of it, just because, one, I've already adapted to this culture, so it makes more sense, kind of. And it would be such a weird culture shock going back to such a safe place um because where we lived in in Canada it was it's not an exaggeration to say it was one of the safest places in the world it was like Vancouver Island British Columbia so that's not really like that's where Chris is I think right now I think that's when back um that's the Nickelback guys live in it's that's okay. right now. My brother in law's yeah. there as well. Yeah, so I don't know what's gonna happen in the future. I do know that I would like to start some sort of a band at some point and that uh, I would like to do video as a job. Yeah. Um, but I don't know exactly what is gonna happen because I don't see any way of predicting that. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you play? Do you play an instrument? Um, I play drums. I need more practice, but I Me do too. that. And then, yeah, I think we all think we do, regardless of what everyone else thinks. And I kind of mess around with things like bass where it's needed to write songs, but I wouldn't say I actually play that stuff just because it's not like what I would play if yeah. I'm going to play an instrument. I'd go to drums. I only play drums, so yeah. I, we, I actually, the first, the second album and the third album, I built all the skeletal systems using loops. And, oh, then, right. uh, and then when we got to the studio in LA, we recreated and smashed them into our loops. Yeah. So it made them more custom. But the new album I'm working, or the new project I'm working on, I don't know whether it'll be an album or what it'll be, but um, my buddy that I'm writing with, his name is Steel, Steel Dorch is his name, but he's, um, he's really, he's a metal guy, so he's really Boy. good at it. like, so, uh, so coming up with cool riffs, it's, it's, like, it's, there's so many different things. Yeah. Because I'm not using loops, he's actually my loop machine, which is really cool, so it's, uh, and he's a great engineer, so we're able to go through and kind of find sounds and, and actually write music as opposed to writing loops yeah. or just taking loops. We're actually writing our own stuff. And yeah, you can see the evolution from three albums. You can even see how this one is getting bigger because of the better sounds, the better instruments, you know. Yeah. Anyway, the process. Do you have a camera or do you film stuff on your phone? I've got a DSLR, which oh yeah does the trick it looks as professional as i need it to basically and you can do quite a lot with something like that so you Um, just just get out and film stuff um i film various different things like 
I've filmed some poetry videos for my sister because she's cool. a poet and she's got a book and things. So we did some stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'm curious with, you said you had two drummers at the beginning. What exactly did that look like? Did you have like two drum kits or did you have like one drum kit and if you um you can if you go to white collar sideshow youtube right uh, anyone that's listening and you go search live videos you'll see what our old setup looked like but basically my drum set was at the front of the stage yeah probably this like it was big like i had a 36 inch yeah. bass drum pots and pans then a whole drum set giant saw blades yeah. and so mine was here and then a, yeah a meter his bass drum was a meter oh yeah 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 yeah, and then Huge. so not yeah. um, get the camera angle. So I'm here, right, front stage. But Phil would be back here on a drum riser with a double bass drum set. Right. And so it's he would kit. full just a basic double bass drum set. I mean, it looked cool. Mm -hmm. But he would do the stick tricks, and and he would basically be the drummer. Okay. Like I would write his drum parts as the drummer, and then I would play like four on the floor on top while I'm doing vocals. Yeah. So I would use him as the drummer the, to get the metal stuff and to do all those things he can do, run on the bass drums. And, I would, and I'm more of like a clutch, like static at disco beats. Like yeah. that's my style, industrial. So that's what I would do on top of his stuff while I was doing vocals. So Phil would be here on a giant drum riser. My drum set's here. Yeah. And then Veronica's cage is here. But the movie is here. Yeah. So we're all, almost, I don't want to say you're inside the movie, but the movie is showing you what's going on. I mean, it's like Pink Floyd, the wall. And of course we had right. to have um, everything running through our ears with the two drummers. You have to have the click track. Hawaii. And so like that was vital. That was that our was first a, learning lesson. We of, had to buy the click like, and get the click track going. And learning how to do your show. Like it's one thing when you're living in the U.S. and you have a 20 foot trailer. I don't know how many meters that is, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> But try taking that whole show to Germany or Poland. Yeah. Like you take your computer and your in-ears. And then you're, where's everything else? Where's the cage? <laughs> well, we would bring so, our projector. But we would bring the projector. But yeah. I mean, we could do everything. But we'd go in the city and try to find things that to beat on and, and culture tour to, if we played Scotland, we'd try to find Scotland culture. Oh, Obviously, yeah. it's different now. But that's how it was back then. Like, yeah. it was like Blue Man Group meets Rob Zombie. Like it was more of the live show. Yeah. So people, that was the hard part. People would hear the album and they'd go, oh, it's not as good as your live show. And so it's, I think right now is the evolution of our live show. I feel like is as good as our last album. Yeah. But when you see it live, it's a spectacle. Yeah. The live, I mean, yeah. the, live, the album is awesome. The album stands, yeah. this album we're the most proud of. It definitely stands on its own, but the live show is just, it's, mm -hmm. that's where it's at. And if you go to YouTube, you can see we did a live from quarantine yeah. in Nashville. I mean, it, um, and you can see every the whole show is on there exactly what we do. I mean, obviously it's on a video screen, yeah. so but it's super rad, and the sound yeah. is great too. So if you listen to it in ears, like it sounds really great. So I just want to encourage you as a drummer, you can still write really cool, huge shows and albums yeah. and stuff like that, and just to like, yes. get out there and film and just. Just film. And you can do it just as a 46-year-old. And then, like, if it's cool, you know, throw it up just to have it online, and then you can have a little yeah. portfolio for when everybody's knocking at your door trying to hire you. Oh, I get it. Like, 
I film quite a few things. Like I've got a wee YouTube channel, which that is a wee bit of a box for what I film because it's all me talking. But um, there's some videos that I've done where I've basically tried to take a song and make the most epic video that I can for it. And that's been something that has really taught me a lot about video and just how much time it takes to put yeah. together something for like a two minute song. Yeah. 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 Hours. Gosh, hours. We filmed yeah. like we just did our whole live show is an hour, right? Yeah. Seven minutes. Ish. And so so that's an so an hour film. Mm -hmm. And we added comic book strips and different things in between. So you're talking about editing. It was going through days and days and days, oh, and days, and days <laughs> yeah. of footage. Two and a half years. Two and a half years. It took us two and a half years to do our yeah. latest to edit to even get all from the filming all the way down to editing oh, but the editing yeah. and then but then it's so cool <laughs> but our last our, our last yeah. film that we did we did all on green screen and so it's really cool like similar to the film sin city so we did we made had our own wardrobes we had a small cast we um we had a, a great big white room that five star productions which is in our hometown of fort smith arkansas they let us paint it green and so we could bring in cars and we could bring in motorcycles and we had friends volunteer and everyone that was a part of it so we did everything and it's a it's a cool like sci-fi twilight zone feel yeah. have you seen any of those videos the, they're all the black and white it looks like sin city i think i've seen like one or two of them at some point yeah so they're literally when yeah. you do find them if you do they're just our friends and so like the guy with the pig mask in the new videos yeah. the latest one he he and I went to high school together and he's our dentist and we're just like yeah. best friends. and then there's a um, guy on it with a bunch of tattoos on his face and he's our tattoo artist oh, and I so it's like literally like my little sister's in it it's just it's super cool yeah we'll have to go back and watch that stuff so yeah. I'm curious for you guys how did you get into metal and all the other music that you're into because that's not something that people necessarily easily get into sure i'm not <laughs> well i so i grew up i grew up in the yeah, yeah um veronica plays metal but it's not her jam yeah it's not that she doesn't like it it's yeah just, i mean i yeah because we're in that world I but enjoy, yeah. I, I enjoy good performers but that's not what yeah like, that makes sense on a, on a run yeah. or whatever i grew up um like in the 80s so but i got into like the, i think we're older than your parents i'm guessing that we are Barely, I think not much. I don't think much, no. Yeah, so I like in the 80s was for me, Motley Crue, you know, it was all the hair metal. Yeah, yeah. Poison and Tesla. I think my, Poison and Tesla was my first concert. And then you, you know, like Metallica was probably yeah. my biggest band. Like when I first heard Lars in the metal world as a drummer, um, I think I had like the Creeping Death single or something. And then I got, it was like 1986, I think, when I got Master of Puppets. I could be wrong on that, but uh, man, changed my life. Mm -hmm. Like heavy metal music changed my life. But not just from Motley Crue or Ozzy Osbourne, but Metallica yeah. in, a, in a kind of a sense changed my, changed my life. But I grew up in the 80s, man. I, like my first tape, my cassette tape that I bought yeah. with my own money, Prince, Michael Jackson, the Beach Boys, like I grew up in, and like I loved pop. I loved watching the Grammy Awards back then and the Music Awards and all those yeah. things because that's what was on the radio. 
so like you grew up with all this stuff then all of a sudden you hear metal for the first time you're like, you're like wow. <laughs> yes. then i got into um i think as the 90s went out like the one of the performances that kind of changed my world was we went and saw uh, the melvins reverend horton heat and white zombie in like 1993 or 94 yeah. or something like that and and, and and white zombie opened up my world to wow this is theatrics and a horror movie and all these things and it's and it's music and it's killer and then when we went and saw nine inch nails back in 94 when y'all could see that you could do film and everything and how your live show went with your albums but early on it was pink floyd like pink floyd the wall yeah. like i was consumed by it like i watched it so many times the doors is probably my all-time favorite love they changed my world back in the day uh, jim morrison i read so many biographies and I know people think that's a weird thing, but it was one of those bands. I, what can I say? Um, but yeah, I mean, you'd have to say, I'd have to say a band like Living Sacrifice yeah. uh, changed my life. Um, there's been, there's so many different ways, but into the metal realm, I grew up an Ozfest kid. Yeah. Like, like I grew up hair metal and then it was Rage Against the Machine. It was Corn. It was, mm-hmm. you know, Slipknot. It was Disturbed. It was Static X. It was Pantera. It was all these things that you know that were coming out in this in this kind of mixing genres um pod was another band that i saw that i didn't really know was believers at the time yeah. because i wasn't a believer uh, there are so many of these bands that infiltrated where i was like machine head like i loved machine head and um and then whatever like then i became a christian and i yeah. got cut off from because no one was in my world and I got cut off from whatever it was that I was listening to. And I never really picked back up. Yeah. Because then we started doing our own bands and living mm-hmm. on the road and so hard to keep up with music. Yeah. But I have a really good friend that I stay with when we're in Arkansas and he buys me tickets to concerts. And I've been able to see bands like Clutch and Baroness and, mm-hmm. and lots of different metal bands because Killing of him. Joke. Killing Joke. I mean, I got to see their 40th. Of course they're not new but um but I've, I've seen so many bands because he keeps me in tune yeah and because of that you can kind of stay influenced by different things yeah and i watch a lot of mtv music videos and modern what's going on because we're in the video world so i like to see yeah. what's what's new what's fresh i like to hear the vocal processors of what's happening mm-hmm. like hear what modern music is and veronica and I both became members of the grammy academy which is worldwide like yes so we actually get to vote on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Why we get to submit our music for Grammy Awards? Yeah. What is the process for getting into that? Um, it's an it's an application process. They open it up, I think, every January. Right. And you just fill out this huge application with all your credentials and all your recording experience, and um, then and you also have to have uh, recommendations for people within the academy okay. to actually recommend you to to join. So it's a it's a pretty cool deal. Yeah, yeah man, we, really cool. He's, yeah, he's recorded a lot more than I have, but um, we've recorded in the U.S. as well as Brazil, and then now we're hoping that Chris stays in Canada, so then we can add another country yeah. to our list of places <laughs> we've recorded. We'll see. Yeah. yeah, but it's it is super rad, super rad. Man, Elijah, <laughs> dude, we over talked probably, right? <laughs> I mean, you're on a podcast as guests, so kind of what you're supposed to do 
is taught quite a bit. <laughs> All right, well, we, we did that then. Yes, <laughs> you're very successful. Man, human contact. <laughs> yeah. How is life over there with COVID and everything? Um, how has it been? It's been special. <laughs> I think I was probably as it was quite a surprise when everything shut down um as it probably was for you guys mm -hmm. i'm guessing um because like in february it's like everyone knew coronavirus was a thing but it was something that we were kind of just almost joking about and didn't quite realize how it was going to affect everything so it was quite a surprise and Yeah, it's probably it's probably not been like ridiculously different from where it's been for you guys. Um, I think things might be a bit more open there. Like now we've got churches open and they need to have masks on and stuff. Yeah. And I think live music might it started in England, but Scotland and England, even though they're technically the same country, have their own political systems for deciding the rules so we've got a very I guess the best way to put it is they can't the people in charge aren't the biggest fan of letting things be free again as compared to England where the Boris Johnson very much is more for that so I think right now where we're at is things will only get more open I think but yeah. We hope Delta, the Delta variant has been terrible here. Mm -hmm. And so there's been talk of things possibly shutting back down. So yeah. who knows? We don't know. We've got shows booked starting August 13th, Friday the 13th. We're actually playing a film festival, which would be cool. Yeah. Um, so we're playing the film festival and we are pretty much back on the road till November. I don't have a ton of shows booked. I've got just a handful, maybe eight to 10 right now mm -hmm. um, between then and Thanksgiving, only because with everything so up in the air, I don't want to have, you know, a 40 day tour yeah. and, then and then shut back down, shut it down. Plus we're stopping by all of our, we have people that support us every month. Yeah. And so we're trying to stop by everybody's houses on this tour that we can, that we're going to be close to um, just to say thank you. And we love you and we appreciate you. Sure. And so they're, they're going to be a big part of our tour anyway. Hey, so by the way, if, for anyone out there, if you go to a white collar sideshow.com or just Google white collar sideshow, you can find anything there is about us, but we have music and merch and all kinds of things, but there's also mm -hmm. things that, if you want to know more about what we do, it's on there as well. Sure, and I and I do ship internationally. It's not the cheapest, but yeah, do it. I've sent stuff all over the globe. So, yeah, that's, yeah. Us. that's what we do. That's what we're all about. <laughs> yes, <laughs> done it. <laughs> all right. So as we're kind of wrapping up a bit, is there things that people can pray for you guys right now or for your future? Yeah, I think just um, really with us just getting back on the road, yeah, um, feeling safe and comfortable yeah. through that, and mm -hmm. any any shows that do happen that we can have some good conversations with people and love right. on people. Um, always, I mean, finances are always yeah. a plus, and then more importantly, just 
gosh. Just more love in the world. Uh -huh. Just need yeah. love each other. More love. Love. Yeah. More love and service. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything we can pray for you about? Um, I think one that going into college would be smooth because I have zero experience with the public education system um, and there's different things that I need to apply for and stuff within that even though I've gotten into college pretty easy. Um, when does that start? It starts at the end of August. Oh coming up. Yeah it is pretty soon it's like a month so there's that yeah and I think within our church just that we'd be able to disciple people well because there's we kind of need we're kind of seeing that there's more and more people who are coming to the faith and or being interested and just kind of being able to manage that well yeah if that makes sense for sure indeed it makes perfect sense and we will pray for that yes thank you yes man it's nice to meet you gosh thanks for yeah. taking it time out you're to, welcome to talk to us thanks for looking up our music <laughs> <laughs> oh man i love it i'm super appreciative and, and super grateful and I, i'm thankful yeah you're welcome yes well, thank for you for coming on for sure, for sure. And hopefully we'll get to meet in person one day. Yeah. Yeah. And contact us back anytime if you want to do another podcast. Right. We'll do whatever. Yeah. Anytime. Maybe in a year. Or two. If you have any questions, anything. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Elisha. Yeah. If you've made it this far, thank you so much. I hope you really enjoyed it because if you didn't, that must have been a boring hour for um, but yeah, <clears throat> hope to see you guys in the next episode and stay tuned for that. And I suck at outros, so <laughs> goodbye.